to this, the Cult of Hockey podcast by the faithful and for the faithful. I'm David Staples of the NFL, and I'm here tonight with Bruce McCurdy. A late night, Bruce. A late night because of a late start in the game. And I only have one thing to say about that game, Bruce. You live by the puck-moving goalie. You die moving goalie. Mm-hmm. Tonight, as the Edmonton Oilers lost yet another... Yet another heartbreaking, brutal playoff game where they were close to the other team, maybe deserved to win, but in the end, again, they lost 4-3 to three to the Los Angeles Kings. And um, we'll do our Two Good Things, Two Bad Things, and Two Numbers podcast, Bruce. What is your... Well, let's start it off with our bad things, because I just think that's the appropriate way we're going to start. Okay. Well, David, I got to tell you, I was leaning towards Mike Smith's puck handling as being my bad thing before the game-winning goal, because I just didn't like how he was—I didn't like how he was fielding the puck. I didn't like the decisions he was making, moving the puck. He coughed it up a couple times. He passed it to a defenseman and was covered more than a couple times, and he just seemed out of sync with the uh, the confident, uh, uh, brash. Uh, guy that we saw in April. Tonight we saw the jittery version of that guy, uh, you know, trying to do stuff and not executing and not, uh, you know, when you make a bad decision and then don't execute, well, bad things always result from that. And, of course, I'm referring to the winning goal or the game-losing goal against, if you want to look at it from an order standpoint, where Smith feels a routine shoot-in with five minutes to go in the third period and decides... Oh, this will be a good time to fire one up the middle. And I guess Leon was open outside the blue line, but geez, got the King guy really was just did. lurking right in the slot. Oh, yeah, it wasn't like he was going to get breakaway or anything. The King guy was lurking right on the slot, and Smith put it on his tape. And then he came up with the what I call the old Paul Schmier, the uh, hero play to uh, to cancel out the, the wretched play that preceded it. But unfortunately, he didn't completely cancel it out because... After he made that save, the puck went behind the net and all five Oilers skaters had almost seemed like no clue what to do. The whole five of them lost their shape. And it's one of those ones we were talking about for the scoring chances. We can either say, well, all the skaters blew it or you can just say it was a turnover that was so egregious that the team couldn't recover from it. And I'm sort of leaning towards number two. I agree, Bruce. play was a number two. I agree. Uh, in terms of blaming the other players, a play like that happens, and it is such a, it is such chaos um, mm. after that. You, you know, you, you just can't. I know they're professional hockey players, but how do you get your bearings? It's just so like yeah. what? It's like what just yeah. and it just like yeah. scramble mode. It's just total panic scramble mode, mm-hmm. and you're just trying to stab away the puck. And too bad someone couldn't have iced it or something like that because it couldn't just get a hold of it. They couldn't get a hold of it. L.A. was, you know, they just were going for it. And, and they get kind of a lucky goal. They get the Californian, Bruce, the goal that's killed the Oilers forever. Mm-hmm. The Californian, yep. the outside shot that gets deflected in weirdly, killed them all against Chicago two years ago. And and uh, it killed them tonight, the Californian. And um, I hate that. I love it when the Oilers do it. I hate it when the opposition does it. Todd McClellan is a master at... Having his teams manufacture that kind of play. At least he is when he lives in California uh, and coaches there. Mm-hmm. 
I think anyway, that, that was... Dan, Dano in the cup. Like it just came right into his hit him in the pants for sure. Totally. And, you know. Yeah. And uh, uh, went ricocheted into the net, but uh, the Oilers had no one in the shooting lane, no defender inside Dano. Uh, there was, you know, it was just a complete breakdown. They had Zach Hyman out at the blue line trying to cover both points, and uh, Paul Yarby was down on the ice having tried to to uh, dive to d- prevent the first shot. One that Smith stopped by diving, but he, you know, yeah. Pugliarvi was out of the play. Bouchard lost the battle behind the net. Keith lost positioning on Dano. It was just oh, five minutes left in a tie game. Good time for that. Wasn't Smith's first mistake, though, Bruce, as you say. Oh, like he, no, had, he, he had was... made one earlier. And then they had also gotten caught out by the tremendous Trevor Moore. What a player he is at, at this uh stage of his career and awesome. he made an absolutely brilliant pass where he's going one way behind the net and he quickly puts it on his backhand out the other way and it totally fooled smith and uh tyson berry the great beards bruce uh didn't have their veteran savvy going tonight on a couple occasions yeah. I, I thought you know this is a vet some of the players played well many of the oilers players played very well this game i thought there was some really great efforts in this game, and there was some solid play, but these just these kind of catastrophic breakdowns um, kept happening. Like so, on the I think it was it was it Iafalo who scored that one from Moore. Yeah. Um, great shot, but Barry and Smith were on the wrong side of the net because they'd been fooled by that play. Yeah. It happens. It was that was a great play at least, yeah. not a blunder, and. Um, well, I wrote about Trevor Moore today and Dano and their usual lineman, Vic, line mate Victor Arvidsson, who did not play in this game, but uh, Moore and Dano and the replacement, Iafolo, yep. uh, did a fantastic job, each of them scoring once. And uh, uh, Moore, who I refer to as the Pisani of Valley Kings, which is a high compliment coming from me, uh, he not only had a goal and two assists in this game, but he had at least two phenomenal defensive plays, one which definitely saved a goal when he was able to neutralize Nugent Hopkins with a loose puck in the crease, and another where he stripped Connor McDavid just when it looked like McDavid was going to break in alone on goal, and a couple of other just sort of excellent defensive plays. Besides, that guy just had a fantastic game tonight, Trevor Moore. He is a... He's a force against the orders. And uh, very, tricky, very tricky with the puck. Very good with the puck. Very fast, smart player. Yeah. From New Year's Day to the end of the season, they played 49 games and he had 41 points. He had seven points on New Year's Eve and he wound up with 48. And he just completely turned into a player that suddenly seemed like he got it at the NHL level. And, and uh, he sure got it tonight. He got the orders. Bruce, my bad thing is some of the players struggle at even strength to get much done. And these are players mm-hmm. that must come through at even strength for the Oilers to win. And mm-hmm. um, they're, so they're three fairly big name players. Leon Dreisaitl scored an absolutely fantastic power play goal and was really good on the power play, as was Nugent Hopkins. But both of them um, got almost nothing done in terms of creating grade A shots um, at even strength. They just were, they weren't a force. They didn't, they just couldn't find a way to make it happen. Leon's, the last time I saw Leon against LA, he's been playing well against that team, but um, they had his number. RNH, 
he comes and goes in the playoffs. He again, he was very good on special teams, very good um, on the penalty kill, but at even strength, his line was not particularly impressive. Uh, Fogel, Nugent Hopkins, and Ryan, um, they needed to get more done. He needed to get more done. And then there was Yesapuliyarvi, who had a really who had a poor game. I gave him a three out of ten. Um, he was on the ice for two goals against, got a minus two in just about eight minutes of play. Uh, I, I guess he, he was at fault, if you want to stretch that term on the first uh, goal against that he was out for. And this is when the Kings broke up the ice. But he was tripped on the play and the refs mm-hmm. missed it. He would have been back on the back check. And um, it, I think that was Lemieux's goal, if I'm not mistaken. It was a four on two after that. Yeah. So he got tripped. And he's not there to make the play because of it. If they, if the refs call that, maybe this is a different game. Um, that's playoff hockey. But Pugliarvi, he wasn't sharp with the puck. He wasn't making plays with the puck. He he doesn't look well, honestly, Bruce. He he looks like he, I mean he missed a couple games because he was ill. He still does not look. He does um, not look he's good like at he's all. Firing on all cylinders. Go ahead, yeah. Yeah, he just no. Sorry, I should. Oh no, play. yeah, he, yeah. He does not look good at all. Like he he's. He missed a game due to well, he missed a practice due to illness two weeks ago, and after that, like his, um, he came back and he played a couple games. Then he was sick and he missed the uh, home game um, that they clinched the the playoff berth against Colorado, uh, and then he uh, missed the road trip. Like they just kept him back to get better, and they put him in for the two games this last weekend, and I didn't think that he shone particularly in either of them and he'd been playing some really strong hockey for quite a long time but uh, uh, tonight I just and he got cycled off the top line and back on and off but he only played I mean this is a guy who started the game on the first line 7 minutes and 52 seconds so coach was seeing what what uh, I was seeing and I, I'm just I, 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 frankly I wonder about his health right now I was wondering about Nurse's health as well, Bruce. He he mm-hmm. was struggling out there. Um, he got, I think, on LA's first goal, he was kind of wandering around. He didn't cover anyone. He didn't look like he was sharp on his skates, like agile. Mm-hmm. And skating such a huge part of his game. Okay. So, all right, let's do our good things, Bruce, now that we've done our no. bad things. What's your good thing? Yeah, I'm going to go with the special teams, which won their portion of this game 2-0. Uh, and that included the... Uh, uh, the penalty kill, uh, killing four out of four. The mind you, they gave up ten shots on net, and uh, uh, Smith probably had his best moments uh, as part of the penalty kill. But the penalty kill also made some real good plays, some good clears, and sometimes where they even seemed to control uh, the flow of play. They had three shots of their own and came close to scoring a shorthanded goal in this game. Uh, and that was, you know, those four penalties was uh, uh, least of Edmonton's concern. And then the power play clicked twice out of four opportunities, including the 2-2 uh, and 3-3 goals. The 2-2 was scored by the second unit, uh, Yamamoto, on the deflection at, towards the end of the power play. And then on the next one, there was a real weird play where uh, uh, Barry fired a shot that uh, Dan O blocked, but it broke his stick. So being the crafty veteran he is, he just dropped a stick right in the slot where he figured it was going to, you know, be a disruptor and wouldn't you know mcdavid fired a cross ice pass that hit the stick 
but strong enough that it basically went right through it, it went right to dry saddle. I think it would have gone right to dry saddle with or without the stick, but uh, it did take a favorable bounce that uh, Leon was able to control and then wire the puck home. And I, I would imagine that the pass uh, getting deflected like that wouldn't have done any wonders for the goalie's timing on the play. So it worked out, but uh, uh, the PP came through with those two big tying goals. But then, of course, come the third period, no more power plays for the Oilers. And uh, they weren't able to muster much at even strength. But uh, the penalty kill made two big kills in a row early in the third. And I thought maybe they're through the crisis at that point. But uh, they wound up losing this game at 5-5. Five and five. One. Um, my it's a, it's it's a hard for me to pick. There was two really two forwards who really came through this game, Connor mm-hmm. Yamamoto and Connor McDavid. I thought mm-hmm. um, both had their best. I think probably their best playoff games that I've seen them play. Maybe there's a game I'm forgetting in that 2017 playoffs for McDavid. Probably I am forgetting one, but he was fantastic tonight, Bruce. He he made major contributions to nine grade A shots. Um, when they were down two nothing in the in the first period, I mean that's a huge lead in a playoff game uh, for the LA Kings, and I thought, you know, they just need they're desperate for something here, and McDavid did it. He did what a captain and a superstar needs to do in that moment. He when he got the puck in his own zone, there was five LA Kings that he had to beat, and he beat all of them on his fantastic rush up the ice. Uh, culminating and as he cuts into the middle and fires the puck past Jonathan Quick, a, a, a very good shot. So that is the kind of superstar play that McDavid um, needs to pull off and did pull off in this game. And he, he was constantly setting up the order's best uh, scoring chances. He set up Dreisaitl's goal. Um, he, uh, you know, in the third period, he set up a great chance for Yamamoto where he bursts down the wing and fires a horizontal uh, dart over to Yamamoto, who just harpoons it at the net. And a, a very good chance there. I think it might have even been deflected. Um, good stop, eh? Yeah. The, the Kings got the better goaltending. Okay. Yamamoto was winning battles all over the ice um, and, and also just very, very strong out there. But McDavid was... He, he really had a great game. And... Um, all for naught, back on Wednesday. Yeah, McDavid, he, he had a hat-trick uh, in Chicago, against Chicago in Game 2 in 2020. The one game, the last time the Oilers actually won a playoff game uh, was a McDavid hat-trick that led the way in a 6-3 Oilers win over the Blackhawks. Uh, so, uh, and as I recall, at least one of the goals in that game was one of those, you know, like the one he got tonight in terms of he he basically did it all to get the puck into the zone through two or three defenders by the goalie and in the net. I don't remember the specific details, but there was one of those moments in that game and he, he had a hat-trick. So that may be his, uh, his best playoff game, but uh, he was good tonight. And if he keeps playing like that, you'd like to think uh, things will uh, fare a little better for the... Uh, blue and orange bruce um let's move on to the numbers what's your number yeah well my numbers are they this pains me man does this ever pain me uh this is now seven consecutive losses 
and playoff games by the Edmonton Oilers. Effectively, all of them were one-goal games. They had uh, uh, one game against the Jets, game one, where it was 2-1, they pulled the goalie, and they lost 4-1. They got two empty netters, and all the others literally have been one-goal games, three in overtime, uh, four in regulation. Uh, <sighs> so seven in a row. Now, in those games, it's like this is hard to believe, Dave. In those games, after the second period of those seven straight playoff losses, the Oilers were either leading or tied in seven out of the seven games. Once they had a two-goal lead in the going into the third period, twice a one-goal lead, four times tied like tonight, and in the seven third periods, plus the three overtimes. So basically, that you know the down the stretch they come of each of these games, the Oilers have been outscored by a ghastly total of 14 to 1. 14 1. And it's like 200 minutes of hockey because they played 60 minutes of overtime against St. Louis or against uh, against uh, yeah, Winnipeg they... last year, including the triple overtime, of course, in game four. But the, the three games added up to 60 minutes and a handful of seconds. So basically, it was like a whole fifth game. Uh, of course, they didn't score any goals in those periods, and they got one goal in the in that series in the four third periods. And one Jujar Kara, he's the guy that that was able to score. He made it four one in game three, and you, that was seemed like that should have been it for that game. Of course, it wasn't. And uh, otherwise, uh, all this high powered talent that the Oilers have, they just can't seem to muster a goal when they super need one, and. You know, you can say, well, it's a different team, different coach, and all oh, that's true. And yet, you know, some of the core of the team remains, and we now are starting to have a repeat pattern of whatever it is that that uh, they can never score in the, in, with the game on the line, and eventually they crack and give one up. Mm. So it's the seventh straight playoff loss, all of them won goal games. Uh, essentially, yeah. It was, uh, they lost game four. Three to Chicago, four to three. After they led three two, going into the third and late into the third as well. Yeah. Uh, game four they lost. It was tied two two in the third, and uh, uh, they lost that one on a Dominic Kubelik goal that ended the season. Uh, and then last year they were tied one one in the first game against the Jets. They gave one up in the third, and then the two empty netters. So you can say twelve to one in terms of real goals, but that's still not pretty. Uh, then game two was 0-0 right to overtime. They lost. Game three, it was 3-1 Oilers after the second. They led 4-1 early in the third. Blew the three-goal lead. Blew it, lost in overtime. Game four, they had a 3-2 lead going to the third period. Gave up the lead. Lost in over, triple overtime. Now we got tonight. It was 3-3 going into the third. An even game. And comes down to one play. And who cracks? Evan Oilers. And... <sighs> I don't, I, I don't know what the thread is between these teams, but they got to break that thread and create a new... they got to weave something new and pretty because uh, it is mighty frustrating to get to the and playoffs. And a lot of hideous plays in there, too. Bruce, I have to say you cheered me up a little bit there with your great memory work, your uh, recitation of all those oh, facts. Oh, man. Good yeah, work. It's all, it's all in there, but it's all in here. I can tell you the score... Most playoff games the Oilers have ever played, probably, and not uh, certainly in the last few years. And it's a frustrating litany of tough defeats where nothing goes right and eventually something goes wrong. 
Yeah, well, it started in the Anaheim series, right? Like, mm-hmm. and um, hasn't ended since then. Um, my 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 number is a little uh, more prosaic. It's six, mm-hmm. yeah. and um, it's a number of hits Zach Cassian had in the game, and in, including a couple of really big hits. So there was always the narrative was Zach Cassian misses the playoff crowd, and when the playoff crowd's there, he's going to come through and throw some big hits. Hey, he did it. He came. The playoff crowd was there. He was fired up and threw uh, some some big hits, including one on uh, Jordan Spence where he drove him into the boards. Oh. That was a wicked, wicked hit. And you know what? It, you hit like that. Those kinds of hits can add up in a series, and players players can get hurt, right? Like they get banged yeah. up. It hurts to get hit like that, and. Um, that's what the orders need from Zach Cassian. And I'm going to suggest tonight they got it. Like, he, he didn't do a whole lot else. The the actual leader in the team on for hits wasn't Cassian. It was Evander Kane with seven. I don't really recall his hits as much. But he mm-hmm. won a lot of clever board battles, uh, Evander Kane, which we noted in our scoring chance chart, um, right. to get the yes, puck to... To keep the puck going, and I thought he was uh, he was pretty strong. He had a really great scoring chance too, which of course Jonathan Quick stopped mm-hmm. um, off a of McDavid feed. So, um, yeah, there was some some good work, you know, by Kane, Hyman, Cassian, some of the bigger guys. Fogel had a couple hits. Um, mm-hmm. Keep that up, and and more of it. I just, you know, they're missing nurses, a healthy Darnell nurse. With the physical play that he can bring, Bruce, man, they missed that so so much from Darnell Nurse tonight. He just was a shadow. Like honestly, he was a shadow of, of his his A game. He he brought his D game tonight, and it was because he's playing on one leg. And I hope this gets better. Like he he, I hope he's healing up here because right. they're not going to win with with him playing his D game. And, you know, leading the team defenseman, and I think he led the team defenseman a nice time. doesn't work. Yep. So give those minutes to Kulak. Play Nurse 13 minutes or um, and give the, give that time to Kulak. If 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 he can't go 100%, you got to make a tough call here. And I, and I, I don't think it worked out tonight. Yeah, well, they gambled that, they, you know, 80% of Darnell would be enough to push him over the top. And tonight, it, it uh, obviously, I mean, by the score, it wasn't enough. And he he was, uh, uh, I think, on for two goals against. He took a penalty, but he had some good moments. He had an assist. He had four he shots. He blocked three shots. Well, you know what? What I saw was him uh, a couple times... The puck got in behind him, and and normally it would be a play where he just turn and go get it. No one would touch him. He just come come out of the corner with the puck, uh, and he was not necessarily getting beat to the puck, but he wasn't beating the other guy, and they were getting just there even. And then it would be a battle, and and he didn't always win those battles the way he uh, the way he typically wins most of them. So there's probably whatever the injury is is obviously. Uh, uh, something that he's trying to fight through, and I mean, I'll give the guy all kinds of credit. Like he gave it what he had, but uh, what he had was less than 100% in this game. Yeah, he's he's doing what he can. The, the coach is gambling that, you know, I don't think it was 80% of Darnell Nurse. I'm going to say it's like 50% or, okay. you know, the, his legs are so crucial to his game. Mm-hmm. Yes. 
his skating is what it's his mm-hmm. skating. You know, he's got other th- as- aspects to right. his game, obviously. But if he can't do that, that's mm-hmm. it just um, you know. There's one play that was a kind of a tip shot in the first period, I think, that went on net, and and Nurse was there, and he just he just was giving up way more gap than he would normally do because he don't think he hit the burst right. to get there to make the play. So. Yeah, well, overall, the hits were 40 to 38 in this game. This was a heavy hitting game, and they were they were certainly counting them. But I I don't think that count is uh, too out of line. Both teams are really going at it, hammer and tongs. You know what? All the games against the Kings this year have been tough. They're all close games. The two teams scored 14 goals each in those games. The Orders won three one goal games basically, and uh, uh, they. Uh, um, Kings played them tough again tonight, and uh, you know the Oilers were were there, and they they were certainly in the battle. I mean, one of the things that I've noticed that um, Jay Woodcroft has on his lines is he's got a a a, a, a grinding sort of hard nosed winger on each of them, left winger on the first three lines, and they have you know Vander Kane. You mentioned his seven hits, and uh, Zach Hyman had two. Uh, Warren Fogel four on the third line, and then on the fourth line, the grinding winger is the right winger. Of course, that's Cassian, and he had six. So those guys were laying on the bod consistently throughout this game, and you know, working their butts off. I mean, I'll give uh, credit for that part. And they they brought the physicality, and the Oilers. I don't think we're out muscled in this game by no. any means. I think that was a you know, they gave as good as they got, but uh, unfortunately, one thing, yeah. They gave the puck a couple of times, and that's not good. <sighs> Pain and suffering. Pain and suffering. All right, Bruce. Just one game. Just you one game, win. yeah. I mean, I'm not too upset. I was, like, totally yeah. calm all game. It's like giving up the first goal in the game. Obviously, you want to score the first goal and get a yeah. leg up on the other guys. And if you score the first goal, you're more likely to win the game. But if you give it up, it's not a catastrophe. You just have to work to get it back. And then you have to get the next goal and get out in front after that. So, of course, now home ice advantage is gone. That uh, they worked damn hard to achieve down the stretch, but uh, that's gone. But I'm not sure home ice is going to matter much in this series. So so far this year, these two teams have played five games, and the home team has won one of them in a shootout. And all the others, the road team won. So. Yeah, I don't see home ice uh, being a big factor in this series. These teams can win in any building. Um, you know, unless the referees come into play when we go to when the orders go to California, which has happened in the past, but uh, I'm sure that won't happen. Don't get me case. started. I've been calling all night to <laughs> said that. You will have another long recitation. This one slightly more bitter than the sad one that we just heard. You grabbed his pad. <laughs> I know he did. Damn it! Sure did. I was thinking of that. What would Corey say? Imagine oh. saying that on camera or on mic. Okay, Bruce. Let's leave it there. Let's leave it there tonight. It's been a long night. Uh, mm-hmm. Thank you for, thanks for talking. All right. Thanks for listening, everyone. Let's go get them on Wednesday. And in the meantime, and in between times, this has been another edition of the Cult of Hockey podcast.